0: Sports Talk Mississippi's Brian Haydad, along with Joel Coleman of Sports Illustrated's Cowbell Corner, give you an inside look at the Bulldogs on the field, the court, and the diamond. Now, get ready for Thunder and Lightning. This is Thunder and Lightning here on Super Talk Mississippi. Brian Haydad and Joel T. Coleman here with you on a Thursday morning. We're glad you've joined us at supertalk.fm or wherever it is you get podcasts from. Appreciate all of our great listeners, especially our service men and out there taking care of us. I want to thank our sponsors over at Strange Brew Coffee House and Churnin' and Spoon Ice Cream. You know when it's your typical 45 degree April 21st day, Joel? Nothing warms your bones on a cold April 21st like Strange Brew Coffee House. <laughs> Why is it so cold outside, Joel? It's just a reminder of how good
1: Strange Brew is. It's pushing you down Highway 12 or you down University have. right to the. Right to the warm opening doors of Strange Brew Coffee House. It's saying, Come on in. Grab you an albino squirrel. Uh, Grab you a warm cup of blueberry cobbler. It's just,
0: it's trying to get you there. It's a marketing tool. I think Shane did it. Uh, it might be a million dollar idea to control the weather. <laughs> <laughs> could be actually more than that if I had to think about it. Uh, but yeah, whether it's cold or warm, they've got you covered at Strange Brew Coffee House. They've got great drinks, both of the iced and the piping hot variety. And, of course, baked goods. You know, you don't have to make two stops for breakfast when you're at Strange Brew. they got plenty of pastries and muffins and everything else right there to take care of you. So check them out when you're back up here this weekend. Or, of course, you live here in Starkville or in Tupelo, you can do that just about any day you want. I had a moment there. You good? Yeah. Like, We're good? I like had like a brain cloud go through. <laughs> I don't know what just happened there. Our good friends over at College Corner want you looking sharp. Getting closer and closer to uh, the end of baseball season, which means we're getting closer and closer to the start of football season. Look, you got to look better. It's it's y- y- we got everybody's gonna do their part. All right, Mike Leach's offense needs to look better. The fans in the stands need to look better too. And the way to do that is easy. You just head by College Corner. Two locations to serve you in the Jackson area. They're in Ridgeland by Fleet Feet. They're in Flowood by Half Shell. The Half Shell, or you can always shop online at collegecornerstore.com. When you're in Starkville, one of the places you've got to see is Humble Taco. If you've been there already, if you got to check them out this past Super Bowl Dog weekend, you know what I'm talking about. But if you haven't yet, well, you are missing out. And the next trip you make up here, you've got to stop by and check out some Mexican fare with Mississippi Roots, one of the most unique menus of any Mexican restaurant you're ever going to find. Really like a southern kind of a feel to it, but it's definitely a Mexican restaurant from start to finish, and the food is just fantastic. Margaritas on tap. Great wine and beer list and one of the biggest patios in the city of Starkville. You can't not have a good time when you're at Humble Taco. Check them out today over there on University Drive. Humble Taco, Starkville's newest and best Mexican restaurant. Joel, we'll talk a little baseball in the second half of the show. We're going to start off with our positional breakdown today because this is something I think that we as, uh, as fans sort of take for granted. I and mean, we're talking about the linebackers, isn't that? You know, players just come and go, right? Mm -hmm. We just, you know, even as media members, too, we're just saying, yeah, they they come and go. It's just part of it. But it's the coaches that have the the responsibility of we have to replace not only that production, but in this case, the leadership. Errol Thompson was probably the unquestioned leader of the football team uh, a season ago. So that's something that not only permeates the the linebacker position, it's the the whole team feels the loss of Errol Thompson in your opinion, is how big a loss is that? And, and, and is that something that this group can fill? Well, the last part of that, I mean, quite honestly, it's just to
1: be determined. I mean, I I think they have the pieces. I mean, I think Aaron Brule is a guy that could take that vocal leadership role and step up and people look to for uh, as kind of the I guess the the face of the, the defense kind of thing. I mean, I I think that the Capability is certainly there. But how big a loss is Errol Thompson? I mean, it's I don't know that we can quantify it. You got a guy that's been here for half a decade. <laughs> that's a good point. Um you know, how many times on this show have we talked about new defensive coordinators and staff changes and players going and thing? Errol Thompson was there, man. Yeah. Day in, day out. He was gonna be the guy if we had a media availability or something, Errol Thompson was gonna talk. Mm-hmm you know he was going to be there it's just i mean he he was the the spokesman he was the the backbone of that group for half a decade you don't just watch that walk out the door and then say oh it's fine you you really don't i mean right it, it, that's not to say someone can't step into that role that's not to say someone can't grow into that role that's not to say Aaron Bruley can't explode into that role but Aaron Brule has been here, what, 365 days or so? Been here a year? Brule? Well, I'm just talking about, like, playing consistently.
0: I guess, yeah, yeah, as a starter, yeah.
1: Yeah, that's what I'm... Like, Errol Thompson played consistently for five years. Oh, yeah, you're right, you're right. Uh, or at least, you know... Four. Four. Right. Um, Brule, last year, was his first real meaningful contributions to the football team. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know that you can necessarily expect him to step right in and be Earl Thompson. I, I, I don't know, man. I, I, it's the, the second part of that equation is: Do you have to have? We as media folks, as podcasters, whatever, we like to look at guys, that's the leader of the defense. That's the... Mm-hmm. do you have to have that guy? You know, is it necessary to have that one guy like an arrow that you circle and you're like, well, that's the guy that everything revolves around. Or, or can it just be a situation where, well, you know, Buki Watkins is a pretty good player. Brule is a really good player. Tyrus Sweet's a pretty good player. And you just have a bunch of really good dudes that kind of pull their own share of the weight and you just don't have that one guy that everybody looks to. Or do you have to have that one guy? I think
0: you have to have that one guy. I think there has to be a guy that when they, when they get into the huddle, his voice is the loudest. On offense, that should be your quarterback. I don't necessarily say it has to be your middle linebacker because I, I would imagine in twenty eighteen it was probably Jeff Simmons. Um, but at the same time, you gotta have a guy that everybody's gonna look to like he's we know the so you know, it, it goes for any sport. The guy you trust to take the last shot, the guy you want at bat when the when the game is on the line. So you gotta have that guy. And I I I don't know that Brule or Weed or Watson is that guy. But I, I will say this and I I believe this. I always think that leaders sometimes come from the position group that the defensive coordinator coaches. You know, when Shoup was here, it was the safeties. And I know I just mentioned Simmons, but Abram and McLaurin were huge leaders on that defense. You know, When Collins was here, you know, you had McKinney and Benico S. Brown working with him. Um, when you had uh, you know, Manny Diaz, you, know, you had Chris White. When C- Chris Wilson coached the defensive line, well, they had Fletcher Cox and Josh Boyd. I always feel like, like that's where the leaders come from. So I feel like from a leadership perspective, and Aaron Brule is, after Forbes and Emerson... Might be the best defensive player on this team. The guy I look at and say, I think he's a pro. I think he's an NFL player. He's the guy that when he talks, mm-hmm. I feel leadership from Okay. Well, then that's that's probably the guy we're going to circle here. Uh, you know, it seems, like, it seems like the most likely. I guess you think about Watson, this is his first year as a starter. Wheat's a Juco guy who's only been here for, you know, a short amount of time. It, naturally, it just sort of falls to Brulee. The good news is I, that's a guy who can back it up with his play on the field. He is a really, really good football player. I really like this. The, if this is the starting three, if it's Watson, um, Brulé, and Wheat, I really like that group.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I do too. I, I think it's a, a an extremely talented group. I mean, the biggest question mark is really outside of Errol's leadership, losing that. I mean, if if Watson is your starting middle linebacker, now I mean that's that's a new spot for him basically yeah you know I mean it now can he handle it yeah I I think he can I mean he he learned uh (laughs) he learned a position in a hotel parking lot before the Georgia game last year so I I think he's got the work ethic and the ability to to do whatever you ask him to do but that's a really really tough spot to be in Mm -hmm. to have to step into the he doesn't have to be Errol Thompson but you kind of you're following the guy. It's a little bit. I mean, it's a not the same, but it's it's a little bit Nick Fitzgerald following Dak. You know, mm-hmm. you're following a guy that was a four year starter at middle linebacker that everybody counted on, that everybody looked to, and it's just tough to be the guy after the guy, whether it's a coach, whether it's a, a star player, and uh, we'll see if if Watson can handle it. I mean, I but that's the thing
0: about college football is. It's always got to happen. Yeah, you know? it's no, you know, it's no not, getting around it. It's not one of those things where you got somebody there for 10, 12 years. You know, it, it, this is this is just the nature of the beast. And look, I felt like Patrick Willis was a linebacker that was around for like 10, 12 years. I, I get that. True. I, I understand that. I, I would imagine from a uh, opposing fan perspective, uh, for Mississippi, <laughs> Errol State, probably feels like that for Errol others. Thompson. That people are like that guy should have two doctorates by now. Um, and it doesn't like I said the leader the leadership doesn't have to come from the linebacker position. But those are the guys making the calls in the huddle. Those are the guys working directly with Arnett. It just feels like that's what's going to be the, the case. Um, I, I thought, you know, a year ago, for, I like Jordan Davis there, but they've moved him down to the defensive line. I think he's an intriguing prospect who can be a tweener, and he could probably do a little bit of both. I thought Wheat was really good last year. Mm-hmm. You know, I thought he, he showed you a lot uh, when he wasn't trying to get to the sideline on a pick six attempt. That was hilarious. By and large, especially in the early going when everybody was healthy, he was a constant threat to get pressure and and to blow things up in the backfield. He's a very disruptive player.
1: Yeah, I I think he's – I think State has a lot of really good players at linebacker. I don't know if they have anybody that you circle as a star, but I don't know that they have anybody that you look at and you don't think they can be productive either uh, until you start getting on down the depth chart. Right. You know, it's – and I guess that's something we talk about in a minute is just the, the depth there. I, I don't know how far down you get before you start getting really concerned about who's running out there. But, um, I mean, the, the front-line guys at least, you know, Brulee, Watson, Wheat, yeah, you,
0: you'll you go to war with that any day of the week. Yeah, and that's probably, you know, you're probably in pretty good shape there. And then your next three guys, I mean, if I had to guess, are some combination of Rodney Gross— uh, Deshaun Page, Demonte Russell, and then I guess we have to talk about Jet Johnson, who had such a m- incredible game on uh, on Saturday in the spring game. I think it's 16 tackles in that game. Um, was, uh, I, I don't. I think JP Purvis. They're probably going to end up keeping him at safety, but he's certainly a guy who could grow into a linebacker, become like a hybrid kind of player. And the good thing with this defense is the safeties give you a lot of help and run support. So you know, if you are a little weak at linebacker, you'll be okay. But on paper that's a it's a solid group you need Paige to sort of be what his recruiting profile was which was you know a star for a top juco program that had other power 5 offers offers I'm sorry um you need demonte russell to show you he was he was a four star recruit coming out of high school uh, has put on a ton of weight you know he was like i think he's listed at 64 260 i think he was like 215 coming out of high school he was just one in that, that just sort of came off the end and used his quickness I don't know if he's kept that quickness, but he's obviously a much bigger and stronger athlete now. So, you know, I I feel confident about the group overall, and I feel really confident about the starters, but I think most of my confidence comes from the fact that Zach Arnett is their coach, and I just know that he can get the best out of these guys.
1: I mean, we saw him get the best out of a defensive group that overall had a lot less talent than this linebacker (laughs) you know, is going to have this coming year. Last year, with what he did with the defense as a whole, using pieces that I would have never dreamed that could have been productive. Mm-hmm. I mean, you saw what he did overall. I'm going to guess he's going to get the most out of the group he's got there. I, I, think, I think you're exactly right. Um, <laughs> I, I, I think some of it goes back to just who Zach Arnett is. And, and I think back to when I talked to Rocky Long about Zach back last season and just – how he kind of came in and had to prove himself as a as a football player, and he obviously did that. Mm. And um, I, I just feel like he he his group is likely to take on that personality of you know going to outperform what's expected of you kind of thing. And I think the linebackers are going to be just fine. I mean, to me, the biggest question mark is that whole how big is not having that leader of Errol Thompson around. Does that matter? Yeah. I mean, I, I think it does matter.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I can't quantify it, but like right how now, much I, does it matter? You who know? do you think, if
0: I said, who's the leader of the defense? Who, who would you pick to be that guy? I feel like your options are Brule, Crumity, and Emerson. I don't think Forbes as a sophomore is there yet. Maybe Fred Peters?
1: And see, I feel like of all, all the names that you just mentioned, Brule is the more vocal. Yeah. Uh, at least at least in our interaction. And see, here's where we're doing all our stuff over Zoom, and I mean, I'm not complaining, it's just the world in which we live in now. We, we don't get to see these guys other than like in front of that camera screen a little bit. So we don't get to get as good a vibe, I don't feel like, as we used to. And I feel like from our interactions with Brule, though, that he is the more take it on my shoulders, I'll be a little more vocal guy. Yeah, You know, I mean, Emerson has developed in that regard. You know, he's become a little more vocal. But I I think I would lean towards Brule if you just made me circle a guy.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think you're right. Crummity is more of a quiet guy from what I can tell. I think he's definitely a lead by example kind of guy. Um, Emerson's a corner. So, you know, he's a talker. And, you you know, obviously another guy who backs it up with his play. But Brulé does strike me as the guy who's going to lead this defense and then lead this linebacking core. We haven't really talked about Watson. Great athlete. You know, like a guy who could play a number of different positions, as we've said. Yeah, well, I mean, he artificially creates depth at every position. Yeah. Because he, he can do them all. He kind of – and we've talked about that with the defensive line as well. He kind of reminds me of sort of a poor man's Bernardrick McKinney. Big, fast guy, uh, aggressive, and, and a great athlete. Well, I, obviously I'm not – Putting that kind of pressure on the guy to be a you know an all SEC or an all American type player, but he has that kind of, of frame and he has that kind of athleticism. I think. Yeah, and, and
1: again, though, I don't know if he has the. I, I, he may not have to have it, but I don't know if he's got the chops, the leadership chops. You mm-hmm. know, it just doesn't seem like he's the 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 anchor that that Errol was. But I don't know that he has to be. Right. So I, I guess that's that's where we're at with that, but I mean, as far as from a production standpoint, I mean, I think he proved a year ago that you can count on him to be be productive and hold his own, and um, and that's the whole story to me. And I know I mentioned it a minute ago, but him just out in a hotel parking lot learning a new position mm-hmm. before the Georgia game and things. I, to me, that kind of stuff that says a lot, you know not not just that he did it because, I mean, if your coach asks you to go try to do it, you're probably going to do it. But the fact that he not only did it, but he did it and then went out and performed and did pretty well, uh, I, I think that says a lot about his work ethic and determination and all those those kinds of intangible deals. So, uh, I mean, I, I I look for Watson to be
0: very solid yeah. all year long. Yeah, one thing that's, that's been true through the years is Mississippi State just has middle linebackers. Now, when's the last time State, you just felt bad about the guy who was in the middle? I mean, how far back do you have to go? Think about, you know, having, uh you know, before this, before Earl, you had McKinney, and you had, you know, Chris White, and then you had Jamar Chaney, and going Titus Brown. And, I mean, you just keep going all the way back. Basically, since until Jackie was here the first year. He was here with Keo Coleman and Daniel Boyd. I mean, it's just a tradition at Mississippi State of having. I mean, you can go back before that, you know, when Reggie Stewart and James Williams. So, yeah, I'm not overall very worried about it. I think, and especially with Arnett coaching this group, I know he's going to demand a lot, and he's going to work the hell out of them. And I feel like the talent is there. I think this is going to be a good group. I don't know that you've got to put... Brule is probably your most likely all-SEC guy, but I don't know that he'll be an all-SEC guy. But... There's definitely enough talent there. The depth does need to come through, but I feel like, like you said, with with Watson, his ability to play uh, different positions, I, th- I think you've, you've got that. I think the, the I, I could be wrong. I think the key is Deshaun Page just be, being. He needs to be that fourth guy. Yeah. And he needs to be a guy that the state can rely on. But yeah. all in all, I think this is a pretty good group.
1: I mean, I certainly think it's a position group though where you don't need a couple of guys getting hurt, kind of thing. Right. I think you get in a lot of trouble at that point. You know, if suddenly, you know, knock on wood here, but if Brulee goes down or something, or Brule and Wheat, or Brule and Watson, or whoever, and then all of a sudden you're counting on, I don't know, maybe Page has to start suddenly. Mm-hmm. And what are you going to get out of that? You just don't know. Right. You get into some un- uncharted territory for sure if you if you wind up with injury issues. And, and you know, it's football. You, you may, but... You really need that position group. I'd have to think about it, but that may be the position group that you circle and you're like, that group needs to stay healthy. Because yeah. you just don't know what you'd get out of the, the backups.
0: All right. Let's move on over to baseball. It's brought to you by our good friends over at Welcome Home Beef. This weekend, if you're in the Starville area, swing by Welcome Home Beef, pick up a couple of steaks, pick up a roast. I mean, if it's going to be freezing cold, I don't think it is. But you might want to prepare. The winter apocalypse might be back. Joel wakes up on Sunday morning and he's snowed in hope not. Uh, but whatever it is you're doing this weekend and whatever you're cooking, Welcome Home Beef is a welcome addition to any menu. Call them today, find out what they can put on the uh, what you can be putting on the grill, what they've got on special. They've always got new and unique items in there as well. So give them a call and find out what's going on. 662-268-8148 or visit them online at welcomehomebeef.com. Welcome Home Beef. It just tastes good. It also just tastes good when you're over at Two Brothers Smoked Meat. Smoked Southern Soul Food right there in the heart of the Cotton District. Man, one of the best menus here in the city of Starkville. One of my favorite restaurants, not just in, in Starkville, but across the SEC. I've traveled everywhere in this conference. I've eaten as many places as I can, and man, I put Two Brothers up there with the best of them. Just great options, great food, great service. Another huge patio for you to enjoy the nice weather, you know, when it's nice. And... Man, you just can't go wrong when you're there. So why don't you swing by there today or this weekend, next weekend, whenever you can. And I promise it's an experience worth having at Two Brothers Smoked Meats in the heart of the Cotton District at 621 University Drive. Advantage Business Systems wants to help you out by putting them to work for you. That's how it goes with them. Nearly 50 years of doing that, too, here in the Magnolia State, helping their neighbors, helping their fellow Mississippians. You can't stay in business that long unless you know what you're doing, unless your products are worth having. Whatever it is you need to bring into your office, Advantage Business Systems has a plan and a solution and the products that you need. So why don't you call them today and see what they can do for you. Call them at 601-362-9192 or visit them online. At absms.com, you find out how Advantage Business Systems helps your business do business. A statistical anomaly at Diddy Noble Field on, uh, on Tuesday night. Joel, I don't know if you saw my tweets about this, but MSU scored in each of the first five innings, and they scored a different number of runs in each inning. Four in the first, three in the second, one in the third, two in the fourth, and five in the fifth. They did. They also, I guess, technically did it six innings in a row because they got zero in the sixth. Uh, Nineteen to seven is the final score. Everybody seemed to have a hit. Balls flying out of the ballpark. Logan Tanner with a fantastic day. Kite McDonald, who will who very soon will just be Kite McDouble, uh, got his first start. Thought he looked pretty good. Pitching-wise, you know, they ran into some issues here and there, but for the most part, obviously very sharp. I think the story everybody's talking about coming out of that game, though, is the ninth inning, and Eric Sarantola. It's crazy, isn't
1: it? A 12-run game, and the biggest storyline is a relief appearance
0: up 12. We talked about this a few weeks back when State played Eastern Michigan. And, you know, Eastern Michigan's pitcher worked so hard, and he was really good that day on that Saturday game. And State, is in like the fifth guy out of the bullpen was Parker Stinnett. Who just comes out of there easy throwing ninety-six and you know, just they're just looking at like, This is this is like their fifth reliever. Well, I mean, imagine last night and you tweeted this. You're down twelve, you've been getting beaten up the whole game, and now here comes this guy who's just gonna fling back and throw ninety eight. And he did a couple of times. Yeah. With an 83, 84 mile an hour slider that was unhittable. Everybody wants this to happen. This is if you said M P told MSU fans like what is something that could make this team totally unstoppable. It's a an Eric Sarantola who taps into his potential. I don't know that we're there yet. A lot of people are already saying they should get some action this weekend. I don't know if that's the three game. batters does not
1: make no this thing turned around. But right. it was a dominant three batters.
0: I think that this weekend you probably won't see Sarantola, but next weekend against A&M, A and team that you should be able to win some games against, maybe you can put him in and give him an inning and just sort of see what happens. One thing that has happened, I think, he's thrown from the stretch, and I think that's a that's sort of helped him out. You know, maybe just you know simplifying his approach, you know, simplifying his mechanics has helped him sort of get more control. I go back to when I talked to Scott
1: Foxhall about Eric Sarantola about a year ago, mm-hmm. and it may have been longer than that, but he was talking about these bigger guys and how. Bigger bodied pitchers sometimes it takes them longer to get mechanically right because they have so many long, lanky moving parts and little things can get off in deliveries and it just takes them longer sometimes. Not to mention the fact you're talking about a guy with Eric Sarantola who you know, I don't think he necessarily grew up from the age of three playing baseball, you know. Somebody made
0: that point. If he had grown up in Florida, he'd already have this this down, I think.
1: Yeah, he wouldn't be at Mississippi State, probably. Talking about a hockey guy here. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, by going to just the stretch, just logic dictates that that simplifies things a little bit for you. And so I think that is part of it. You, you see him, and he does look a little more comfortable in the stretch. And he comes out last night. I think he threw 14 pitches, Brian, and 12 of the 14 were strikes. I don't know that he's had an appearance in his career. Mm-hmm. Where he threw twelve or fourteen pitches at any stretch for a strike, you know. I, if he does that, mm-hmm. if he could do that, yeah, he is the best pitcher on this staff. Yes, I mean he just is. The problem is, as we all know, nobody would have any confidence that he could repeat that.
0: Right, and <laughs> it's one of those things where he would have to do it three or four times before he coming out. He would come out of the bullpen. I go, okay this is about to get locked up. But if you if you suddenly have him and Sims able to give you innings here and there, is mean, it's, it's that's you're on you're almost unbeatable. If you get to the 7th, you're un, you're completely unbeatable at that point.
1: Yeah. Could you imagine, man, if he, if that's, he does this? That's the thing. It, that's
0: what this is. That this is this is the key to the national championship is that guy unlocking his potential. Oh. I mean I mean if he if he does,
1: and I don't a, think he's
0: a. I agree with Robbie Falk. I don't think he's a star. No,
1: I, I, and I don't think you can even flirt with that again. I, you just gotta. If he's gonna help this team, it's gonna be out of the pen. It just is. But he can be such a weapon if he's gonna do this. If he's gonna do like what he did on Tuesday night, um, you can't help but root for him to. You know, a lot of times we get in into into. Uh, almost looking at these kids sometimes like they're video game characters or something. You know, like they're just just random dude out there wearing a jersey that runs out there and pitches once a week or something. Like, from just a personal standpoint, man, I hope Eric Santola figures this out. Because think yeah. about where he's at. I mean, he is a guy that realistically is a big league arm and coming into this season, I mean, was a potential first-round big league arm. And you go from weekend rotation to you're struggling to, to find work anywhere to get an inning. I mean, yeah. we, we went, what, two,
0: three weeks, it felt like, without even seeing him? Yeah. And, I mean, that has to – He started it against Kentucky. I'm sorry, against LSU, and you didn't see him again until the midweek after Kentucky, I believe.
1: Yeah, and, and I asked Chris Lamonis about this last night and uh, after he roasted me. Um,
0: for <laughs> he sure did,
1: <laughs> but uh, but no, and, and he was talking about how with the draft and things, it's like you need to if you know for Eric, you need to develop, but that coincides with Mississippi State needs to win, and that's just tough. Like it's how do you continue to develop this guy that needs to develop and improve his draft stock and that whole nine yards when if you're Mississippi State. You also, I mean, you got to win baseball games,
0: yeah, and it's just a tough situation. And this is stuff that normally you do in the non-conference before the season. The problem, or before the uh, conference season, but that's when you had him starting. Yeah, it's you know.
1: But long story short, I
0: mean, all I've heard is
1: good things about Eric and how he's kind of kept his head down, kept working, and um, I mean, what can you do, really? And, And he's he's done all that he can with Scott Foxhall and bullpens, and he's trying to get right. And it was so good to see that kid go out there yeah. and look like a million bucks on a Tuesday night. And I don't know if you know that may be the that may be his final big highlight, Mississippi State. He may never do anything like that right. again. But if that was like some foreshadowing of what's to come, mm-hmm. I mean, you said it a minute ago. If 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 I, I know that we're just really. Sugarcoating this, but mm-hmm. if he if he becomes like what Landon Sims is, and you got two or three of those
0: guys back right. there, I mean, good I mean, night if you and think about it. in really, in reality, with the way Sims pitches, because I don't know about Sarantola yet, you know. Well, let's say you can always get a, an inning out of Sarantola like that, and Sims can always give you two innings, maybe three. So if you're up in the sixth, it's over. The game's over. That's yeah. how you win the national championship.
1: Yeah, so. but the, but the issue there is with Eric. You never feel like he's not about to. You you feel like you're just a pitch or two away from the other team rallying because he's liable to hit a batter, throw a four you know four pitch walk or something, and then all of a sudden the rally's on. And that's the last thing you want with a guy out of the pen is like if you have a one or two run lead and you come in and he walks the leadoff man or something. Mm-hmm. And with Eric, that's that's kind of the fear, right? Yeah. He's going to come in immediately and immediately put somebody on base, and you're right in the soup. Right. Just just like that. Right. And that's it, why you can't it, play
0: him this weekend. Unless something unless something unusual happens. Yeah, you go up 10 on Vanderbilt and it's in the ninth inning, sure. Let him have a chance or you're down 10. Sure. Let him have an inning. No pressure, but he's I don't think he's quite ready for pressure situations yet. No, but I'll tell you what. I feel like we're talking about like a Fabergé egg here. <laughs> we're just like we're going to be so careful cuz he's so valuable. I mean, it there is no question watching him pitch last night that once he gets into the pros and somebody works with him every day and it's, it's that's all he's doing is baseball, that he's going to be a pro for a long time. I
1: mean, if you tell me the Atlanta Braves drafted him, I'm thrilled. Yeah. Because I really think that there's the potential there for him to be at least like a, a middle of the rotation kind of dude <laughs> if he figures it out. Yeah. And I know, we're, we again, there's that word if, and his whole career has been a big if. Mm-hmm. But it's still there. That if is still there. And quite honestly, he don't really even have to totally figure it out. He can just get hot for a month or two here and start start throwing a lot of strikes. And I, I just... When you throw what he throws, you don't even have to be perfect, man. If you throw 97, 98 miles an hour, a lot of guys aren't going to be able to square that up. I, I just... You can't help but lick your chops a little bit and think, man, if he, what if he could keep doing that? You got Sims, get Sarantola. You, you, we all know what else is in that bulldog bullpen. What, what a. What a friggin' monster of a yeah, pen that would be. It'd be we'll see if he keeps it. We'll it, see it. what happens. So,
0: I, Yeah, I don't, I don't know. We'll, we'll see if we, we see him any this weekend. Well, we'll talk about some pitchers tomorrow that are monsters and are doing it on a weekend in week-out basis when we preview Vanderbilt and we took a look at Kumar Rocker and Jack Leiter and what the Commodores have uh, lined up for Mississippi State this weekend. All right, guys, have a great Thursday. Joel and I will be back with you on Friday. For Joel T. Coleman, Woo. I'm Brian Haydad. Thanks for listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi.